Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, October 6, 2016. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 154, uh, the second paragraph that begins, One Dismal Afternoon. Today's readers are Esther F. on the 12 Steps, Jane G. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Susie K., Maureen M., and Janice B. The reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, October 5th, is 9144. And our newcomer greeter today is Deanna B. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, the 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther F. And Jane G., please read the 12 traditions of OA. Good morning, Kathy. This is Jane G., a compulsive overeater from Texas. 
the Twelve Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Jane G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that you're sharing directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass and then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 154, the second paragraph, which begins one dismal afternoon. I will now ask Susie Kay to begin our reading. Good morning, and um, thank you, Kathy. And my name is Susie Kay. I'm a grateful recovered compulsive eater in Maine. One dismal afternoon, he paced a hotel lobby, wondering how his bill was to be paid. At one end of the room stood a glass-covered directory of local churches. Down the lobby, a door opened into an attractive bar. He could see the gay crowd inside. In there, he would find companionship and release. Unless he took some drinks, he might not have the courage to scrape an acquaintance and would have a lonely weekend. 
Of course he couldn't drink, but why not sit hopefully at a table, a bottle of ginger ale before him? After all, had he not been sober six months now? Perhaps he could handle, say, three drinks, no more. Fear gripped him. He was on thin ice. Again, it was the old insidious insanity that first drink. With a shiver, he turned away and walked down the lobby to the church directory. Music and gay chatter still floated to him from the bar. So um, this is Bill W., the founder of AA, um, at six six months sober and um, having um, having you know kind of founded and created and and distilled, no pun intended, the you know kind of the just just or um, uh, steps to recovery, probably and perhaps still working on it. Um, and just, you know, working with his mind. This is, these paragraphs are just almost all about his, uh, his thinking, which is the, the, um, you know, it, it is the majority of our problem is how our mind works. Um, and... He is um, relying on self quite a bit here. Um, You know, he's full of fear. He's romancing the drink. He's um, got some self-knowledge. You know, he's been sober six months now. Don't you think, you know, he could handle it? Um, He's got some ego going. Um, He's he's also afraid, though, Um, and he knows his sobriety is a a delicate... um, kind of fragile thing. Um, and then he realizes, um, you know, that if he takes that first drink, it's just, you know, he gets on that hamster wheel again of addiction. Um, and then with a shiver, he turned away and walked down to the, down the lobby to the church directory. Um, and somehow he was able to introduce a new thought and a way out of that addictive cycle. Um, and that's what we all have to do. We have to um, find a way out of that hamster wheel of um, of, of uh, getting back into our, our alcoholic foods and the thinking that precedes it and um, find our way out and get going on the steps and um, clear connection to our higher power. And um, so this just illustrates once again, as the big book so beautifully does, repeats again and again what the problem is and what the solution is. And because we need reminding. And um, yeah, so I'm very grateful to be recovered and I'm grateful to be out of that hamster wheel of alcoholic, compulsive eating, and I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Susie Kay. Who would like to share on the second paragraph that Susie read? This yes. is I share. Okay, I heard Bella G. I didn't hear anybody. Yes, I are. Yes, I are. Yes, I are. Larry Kay. Mary Kay. 
Okay, Mary Kay. Uh, Tina S. Larry K. Here's who I have. I think I missed. Valerie B. Valerie B. Kim J. Start with those. Okay, Kim, I got you. So here's what I have. Tina S. Larry K. Larry K. Valerie B. And Kim G. Okay, thank you. Good morning. But there are some noises in the background. Good morning. Thank you very much. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. With a shiver. He turned away and walked down the lobby to the church directory. Yes, it sounds so familiar. This was my beginning in the program when, you know, I was still uh, scared and afraid and not comfortable and not, not really doing and living the steps. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am not there anymore. And today, yes, I am human, and I have those moments of shiver. But today, thank you, God, when I am connected to a loving and accepting power, for me, a shiver is a red light. And when I get, you know, to the shiver, to the scare, to the fear, I learn to pause and to say, Bella, wait a minute. How are your connection with God? When and where and how did you put God into your program? Because, you know, as I am doing the steps and living the steps one day at a time, I know that for me, shiver and fear is a sign that, again, I am into the control game. And I want to take the control, and I put my higher power in the side. So today, thank you, God. Thank you, God. You know, and as a human, I need those reminders that I am powerless. And I have an accepting and loving power. And I am here to give over God's message and not my ego message. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. And a gentle reminder, we're commenting on the third paragraph on page 154. Nessa R., please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. It's Nessa R., recovered in Toronto, Canada. So the insanity that precedes the first drink, this is the um, key aspect of our disease, the mental obsession. Um, those little voices in my head, the chatter, the, the constant, incessant chatter in my head that keeps telling me um, all the lies that will drive me to eat and put me back into the, the cycle of disease. You know, uh, Nessa, you're, you've been asking for five years, five months, five weeks, five days, five hours, five seconds. You know, you can handle this now. It's okay for you to have a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and it'll be okay, it won't hurt you, you know, go ahead, just have, you can have just one, just a little bit, um, because I can only um, 
compulsively overeat on a lie. If I told myself the truth, if I told myself the truth that, yeah, go ahead, you can have just a little piece, and then that little piece will allow you to recapture those 70 pounds that you released some time ago, and it'll help you to recapture the uh, misery and the shame and the fear and the guilt and remorse that you felt after every single binge because once you have that little piece, you won't be able to stop at that little piece. You're going to have to have the whole thing and then something else and something else and something else after that. Uh, I won't be able to eat on the truth, so I need to tell myself lies. And that was the um, crossroads at which Bill found himself. He started to sell himself lies. Yeah, I don't have to have a drink. I can just have ginger ale. But then the ginger ale turned into, well, maybe three drinks and no more. And then he realized, oh, my goodness, I'm telling myself lies. You know, and he got scared. And then he made a beeline for the church directory. And this is what we need to do in our recovered state. Um, you know, in page 84, one of the promises uh, um, which to me are the, pro the true promises of recovery, says when tempted, or if tempted, we recall from it as if from a hot flame. So there will be periods um, where the insanity will, will creep in, but we will be able to recognize it as such. That has been my experience. Now in recovery, I can, I can recognize when I'm telling myself lies, and then I can make a beeline to, um, to, step, to step 12 and helping others, um, working my steps, looking at, okay, what is causing this insanity? Why am I looking for that sense of even comfort that comes at once by taking a, a few bites, which I should be looking for in God, not in the food? Uh, step 10, step 11, step 12, and that will get me back on track. And indeed, this is what happens in Bill, and this, that, that it illustrates so beautifully how this step uh, process works when we work it. And um, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Tina S., please go ahead. Thanks, Kathy. Tina S., compulsive eater anorexic in Florida. Um, grateful to be on the line this morning. <clears throat> what, a, what a great paragraph. And, you know, I, I love that it talks about that, after all, had he not been sober six months now, you know, because as a typical alcoholic, and um, I, after six months, thought I certainly had this thing and you know and, and it tells me that you know the solution for the insanity it must come from a power greater than myself on my own accord I'm going to continue to do the same thing expecting a different result and only through um, coming to believe in a power greater than myself can I do something different you know and I also know that today it doesn't matter what I'm thinking it matters what I'm doing and so uh, I can have these thoughts which it so eloquently put that, you know, the insanity of what his thoughts are and what he would do in a bar. And, and we all certainly know at whatever bar that is, booze or food bar, we would certainly not just want to sit on the outside and look in, in that state. And uh, so, you know, I, I know today that it tells me in the big book also that there will come a time when I won't have a mental defense against that first drink or bite or whatever it is. And that defense must must come from a power greater than myself. And so through this, I believe that he is, he is, he is um, bringing in his, his power greater than himself because I know on my own accord, through my own stuff, I'm going to continue to do the same thing. And so um, with that, I'll pass. What a great paragraph. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Mary Kay, please go ahead. 
Uh, good morning, everyone. This is Mary Kay. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Uh, good morning. I'm Mary Kay uh, W. from Western New York, uh, grateful, recovered, but not cured, compulsive overeater just for today. Um, this is one of my favorite short sentences um, in this in this book. He was on thin ice. The um, In my life experiences, I can remember in a very difficult situation, calling an attorney and describing being on thin ice. And and what he said to me always stood with me. Uh, he, he said, well, Mary Kay, spring is coming and the ice is melting and now you're going to have to learn how to walk on water. And so many times in program we feel like this. Um, we feel like we're in, in really uncertain places. And the um, and it is through the tools of recovery and the tools of the program, turning back towards the faith, turning back towards the church, turning, seeing the truth, uh, hearing our, the lies that that our disease tells us, and and the, the miracles of of um, sanity uh, that comes from uh, food sobriety with abstinence and and working the steps in the program most critically with our relationship with God, that um, we can walk forward with, with, with uh, release one day at a time from this disease. I'm very, very grateful, and thank you for the opportunity to share. Thank you, Mary Kay. Larry Kay, you're up. Thank you, Kathy. Um, I don't know if you can hear me. This is Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Um, I can hear you. You can hear me. Oh, great. Yeah. Thanks, Kathy. I appreciate that. Okay, so, you know, one has to be willing to ask God for guidance. And, you know, and, and I'm trying to try to study our history a little bit. And, you know, um, as Bill Pace, the, the, the Mayflower Hotel floor, he was gripped with fear. Pretty desperate guy. He only had a few bucks in his pocket. Um, business failure in mind. And, and he was so ready to numb out with, uh, with his substance, just like you and I you know, can be ready to numb out with our substance. And, and according to his own account, much later, he asked for God's guidance. This is Bill, Bill's words. He asked for God's guidance. And you know what? The guidance came. And Bill acted on that guidance. He took definitive action based on that intuitive thought following a prayer. He walked down the lobby to the church directory. That's an action that he took. Could have taken a different action. You know, remember, God is either is everything we learn or God is a big zero. God's nothing. You know, what's our choice to be? And I state this emphatically because it's my belief um, that you and I would not be on the phone line today. It may sound melodramatic, but I'm just telling you what I believe. Um, had Bill not acted on that guidance, you know, because this was a guy from the Oxford group. He, he called himself a rum hound. And you see, that, that's the way that God helps us when we ask him to direct our lives. Bill didn't say, you know, God, here's the deal. I'm desperate here. I have a list of things that I need for you to do today on my behalf. And, you know, since, since you serve me, these things need to get done soon. But rest assured, God, I'm not a selfish guy, so I'll, I'll do a few nice things for others along the way, just so you see that I'm uncharitable and willing to help others. But remember, God, I'm doing these things as kind of a trade-off for getting my needs met. You know, let's not confuse the issue, God. This is a conditional deal. See, so you relieve me of the obsession to drink, and then I'll do something for you. I'm the deal maker here, God. And one last thing, if you don't do this for me, you know, it's not a threat, but I'm going to probably pick up again. 
and I'm going to do all, yeah, I'm going to be restless, irritable, discontent. You know, that's not the way this works. It's not my will, you know, not thine be done. And those weren't words, you know, but I, I definitely treated God, you know, those are words, but I treated God like an errand boy. And remember, I was, you know, remained blocked off from the sunlight of the Spirit. See, if we turn our lives over to God and let him run it, he will take our shortcomings and make them valuable in the manner that he chooses. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry K. Uh, Valerie B., it's your turn. Um, good morning. This is Valerie B., recovered compulsive overeater, and very glad to be here and hear you all. And um, just reading this passage, I'm so grateful from what I've learned since I've been here about the physical allergy of the body and also the obsession of the mind and how, you know, when we take our binge substances, you know, um, as uh, Larry calls it, our heroin, which scares the bejeebers out of me when I think about it. But, um, you know, it sets us off physically and then, you know, um, and then, you know, mentally all over again. And um, I think if, if he would have gone back in there, you know, who knows if we would even be having this meeting today. And um, I'm so grateful because um, the other, I mean, this recovery thing really works. And it's so, I know so that I am not doing this myself. I've been on so many diets. um, And the obsession by the grace of God has been removed. I was at a dinner party the other night. And, um, you know, I ate my abstinence food, and out comes the desserts, not one, but like four or five different kinds all over the table. Here, pass this, pass that. You know, and under my nose was a key lime pie. And then, don't you just want to taste? Like, for some reason, I don't know if I'm the only one with this, but, you know, my friends and family, you know, like they push food on you. Don't you want to taste it? And I looked at it, I looked at, I looked at my friend, I was like, no, I really don't, you know, and um, I just passed it, you know, and I really didn't, I really didn't want any of it, and I knew that was a miracle, and that was God doing for me what I could never do for myself, and, um, and, and, and more of the miracle was, was I didn't sit there, you know, wanting it and judging everyone else who was, you know, like, grossly overweight, you know, putting it, you know, eating it and eating it, and I didn't, you know, I was just neutral to the whole situation. I wasn't judging anybody. I wasn't wanting anything. I wasn't feeling bad or feeling deprived, which was another miracle. So, um, you know, and I just, you know, would like to encourage anybody that's still struggling with the food, keep putting one foot in front of the other, you know, keep listening to the meetings and, you know, work in your program. It really, really works. And I'm finished. Thank you for letting me share. Um, And I pass. Thank you, Valerie B. And Kim G., please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. After all, he had been sober six months now. Perhaps, perhaps he could handle, say, three drinks no more. Fear gripped him. He was on thin ice. Again, it was the old insidious insanity that first drink. 
You know, and I just want to say here, this is not just about Bill being sober for six months. Bill has recovered. Bill has worked through the, what would become our 12 steps and had a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps. So I, I, I question, like, you know, what, I think we should question, what does that mean? What does that mean to be recovered here? What does it mean to have our disease? You know, one of my favorite AA speakers is Sandy B, and he gave the simplest definition of alcoholism, and I'm going to use it as for food. I, to be a, comp- a real compulsive overeater means I cannot eat my binge food safely, and I cannot be abstinent contently. So the allergy is what he's recognizing here. You know, once I ingest certain substances, I cannot reasonably predict how much I'm going to have. So I can't have three three drinks or three whatever my binge foods are. I can't weigh and measure my binge foods. I don't have yellow foods. My body, once it ingests certain substances, I cannot reasonably predict how much I'm going to have. And if that was my only problem, then I could be free of those foods and those thoughts that he's having, they would mean nothing because I would be able to be rational, logical, and say, oh, I know the consequences of that. I'm not going to do it. The larger aspect is this mental twist. This drink that tells me, I mean, that my thinking, which tells me that the first bite's going to be okay, that it's just three drinks, that everyone's having a great time in the bar, I just need to release, you know, get a little bit of stress off, I just, need, I just need to get the edge off. It's not a big deal. So what does it mean to be recovered? You know, when I'm recovered, it doesn't mean the allergy's gone. The allergy is my permanent condition, which is why I'm never cured. But recovered means I've gotten a relationship with a power greater than myself that has removed that mental that mental twist. But I don't want my binge food. I'm not tortured by my binge food. I don't want them. But that is a daily reprieve. And that's why I can't just do the steps and stop. I have to continue to make this my way of life. It's my design for living. And this is my opinion. This is my opinion from reading Bill's story. What always blocked up Bill? Whenever Bill was thinking about money and success, that became his God. He got this business deal. My guess, once again, my opinion, is he starts to get filled up with success and money, and that mental twist comes back. But what does he do? Why is there an Alcoholics Anonymous? Let's see what happens when that mental twist starts to convince him. Because it's not about remembering. It's not about knowing the truth, in my opinion. It's that I have this mental defect, and my only defense is going to come from a power greater than myself. So let's see how Bill does that in the story. And with that, I pass Thank you, Kim G. Uh, who, anyone else would like to share on this paragraph? Melissa C. Okay, Melissa. Anyone else? Leah M. Okay, Leah M. Why don't we go with those two and then we'll move on. Melissa C., go ahead. Hi, good morning, Kathy Kay. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa Say, recovered, um, compulsive overeater in New York. And, you know, what strikes me this morning is recovered, not cured, you know, and that that was Bill's, um, you know, situation here, recovered but not cured because life still continues, you know. And um, to me, like, this story really just illustrates how a perfect storm brews inside of us, and I'm so glad that it was put down on paper, you know, rather than him turning to the drink, somehow the the wisdom to actually relate this story, his train of thought, um, and to put it down, because it clearly illustrates, you know, my thinking too. It starts with, you know, um, 
obsession with myself, with I'm not getting what I want, even when it's justified, even when it's worthy. You know, this was his income, his ability to make an income and a life, and shouldn't he deserve that? You know, that's what I'm thinking. Shouldn't I get what I think is, is fair, is mine? You know, and then I feel lonely, and then I look to get some companionship and comfort, but I'm socially awkward, and so I need the substances to make it easy to blend, you know, and then I think, well, maybe I can sit there and not have any, and then I think, well, maybe if I have just a little, you know, and and then, holy crap, I'm back in, I'm back in the trouble again, you know, and so, um, you know, we're told on one hand, like, we can go anywhere, and I know I can go anywhere, so long as I'm feeling spiritually fit. And and why could he not go in that bar safely that day? Because clearly he was struggling, you know. And so what what this reminds me is um, why I'm told that when I'm struggling, find someone to help, you know, because that's what that's what can redeem me. That's what can save me, you know. And the other thing that strikes me this morning is how grateful I am that his little plan you know, for economic success did not pan out. You know, where would I be if perhaps his his financial, you know, things went off the way that he wanted? And so it just reminds me more and more that I only have a small view of of life and I cannot see the whole picture. You know, I'm blinded by by being, a, you know, just one person. But God, my higher power, has the whole picture. And so all I need to do is just be willing to, um, you know, live according to his plan for me. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And Leah M., please go ahead. Thank you so much, Cassie. He was on thin ice. Again, it was the old insidious insanity, that first drink. I mean, uh, once again, you know, uh, for the first time since um, Bill's spiritual awakening in Towns Hospital, he is uh, got the, you know, disease whispering in his ear, perhaps, and he's, you know, being reminded of that... Uh, you know, the the phantom of, of alcoholism. I mean, that's why our text describes it as cunning, baffling, and powerful. Of course, this is a great illustration about what the big book is really talking about when it talks about insanity. We're not talking about the insanity of, you know, Bill drinking too much and dancing on tables and crashing cars and, you know, slurring his words and urinating in his pants. We're talking about the insanity just before he takes that first drink, when he's stone cold sober. He's been sober six months now. So there's no alcohol in his system whatsoever. So the real problem centers in his mind, in our minds, telling us it's okay to drink rather than in our body that ensures that we can't. And, of course, we take a drink based on a lie, and then the allergy takes over and we end up drunk, or in our case, binging. So our real problem is not in our body, which assures us that we can't uh, drink, can't eat certain foods, but in our minds it ensures that left to our own resources, we're going to try to drink, try to eat those foods and beat the game. But, you know, Bill has recovered here. He has been restored to sanity as a result of these steps. 
And so his mind is complete. He can see the whole truth, and he makes decisions based on that truth. He sees his disability. He knows his disability. And so although uh, perhaps he has a moment of temptation with a shiver, he is able to recoil as if from a hot flame, and he turns away, realizing that in helping another kindred spirit, realizing that in carrying a message of recovery, that is going to stabilize him once again. So, you know, Bill is still subject to life, subject to disappointment, subject to discouragement. Um, however, he realizes that prayer, in where he, as Larry described he connects with a power greater than himself and then he goes and utilizes god's strength we have recovered and have been given the power to help others he now utilizes that god-given strength to help another person so you know he has been restored to sanity and that's what the program of recovery does the program of recovery gives us the steps to get undisturbed so that we no longer need to seek a substance outside of ourselves to get comfortable. And that's exactly what Bill's going to do. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Um, one more call for this pa- sharing on this paragraph. Anna Kay. I'm sorry, who was that? Anna Kay. Anna Kay. Anyone else? Holly from Fort Holly. Worth. Okay. Anyone else? Okay, Anna Kay and then Holly. Hi there. Um, Anna Kay from Pennsylvania, a recovered compulsive overeater. Very grateful to be here, grateful for everybody to be on the line. What really strikes me in this passage is the six months that Bill was sober. And today, which you know, I realized, I looked at my little OA app and saw it's six months today for me. And life has brought about a great deal of challenges. And um, yesterday, interestingly enough, I had family come over. And they brought their own food in my own home, which, whoa, they even brought gifts to me of food they thought I would like to have. And, you know, for the most part, thankfully, I am really recovered one day at a time. And I don't feel that draw. I don't feel, I'm not hanging on. I'm not. And it's not me. It's not me because I could never do it before. Um, But there was a moment. There was that insanity last night. It came up for a second or two. Because I went to walk into my kitchen maybe to get some water, you know. And, you know, for the grace of my higher power and this program, I was able to get my drink, whatever it was, the water that I wanted, and walk back into the living room and take care of who I had to take care of. And that, six months, 10 months, 11 years, who the heck knows? But today is my six months, and I'm grateful today because that insanity, that moment before, oh, boy, you just never know. And that's why I'm here today, and I'm so grateful for Vision and this program. Thank you very much. I pass. Thank you, Anna Kay. And Holly, can you give us your last initial before you share? Thank you. Yes, good morning. This is Holly S. from Fort Worth, a grateful recovering compulsive overeater. 
Um, I am just very grateful this morning um, to to be uh, on this line uh, to hear the experience, strength, and hope. Um, I have been in and out of OA. Um, I counted up recently probably 35 years, in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. I could just keep saying that over and over again, Um, and I would leave um, in discouragement because I didn't see much recovery happening, and um, and I, I didn't I wanted something, I, I but I wasn't sure what what that looked like, and um, I can I can just you know I the line here with a shiver he turned away and walked down the lobby to the church directory, um, you know in my um, in my downplaying of this disease, I just thought, oh, that's just a red light for me. That's just a red light. Um, you know, I need to pay attention to that. And, and that may be true, but uh, but perhaps today, um, as I grow in my recovery, instead of um, thinking, oh, you know, that's just a red light, perhaps I will hang on to that word, you know, shiver. Um, when I'm in danger physically, when my kids are in danger, um, I mean, I'm, I'm shaking on the inside. I'm, I might look good on the outside and strong and 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 I know what to do but on the inside you know I'm just a a mess and uh, how often have I acted that way with this disease um man I want to hang on to that and and I'm just so grateful thank you for um your service um uh, and and just the service of uh, of practicing presence everybody on the line is it's helping me to uh, grow in my recovery and with that uh, thank you and I pass Thank you, Holly S. I'm now going to ask Maureen M. to read and then share on the next paragraph beginning, but what about his responsibilities at the bottom of page 154. Um, Hi, Kathy. Uh, My name is Maureen M. Grateful recovered compulsive overeater, and I like it that I'm not cured. Um, one day at a time from New York. Uh, But what about his responsibilities, his family, and the men who would die because they would not know how to get well? Ah, yes, those other alcoholics. There must be many such in this town. He would phone a clergyman. His sanity returned, and he thanked God. Selecting a church at random from the directory, he stepped into a booth, and lifted the receiver. Ah, that's great. Um, I love this paragraph, and I love this chapter. Uh, It it just illustrates the uh, progression of the mental twist that will will come. Um, It sounds like Bill had an expectation in the beginning of the chapter that things would go his way. Uh, Bitterly disappointed um, he was crushed and weakened um, fearful uh, the four horsemen <laughs> were like yeah this is our chance you know um, and he started with the devil on the left and the angel on the right and that's how it is it's the am I going to Uh, take this impulsive way out, or am I going to trust? And the word responsibility in this paragraph, to me, did not come until the 12th step 
um, having had a spiritual awakening, we try to carry this message to others who still suffer and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Um, also, when I when I think about it, it's so simple as trusting God, cleaning house, and helping others. I mean, Bill did all three of those things. Um, he decided, he made a decision which direction he was going to go in, left towards the bar or right towards the churches. And you know what? He didn't even care what church he called. It was random. Um, And he cared. He cared about the other people. He felt he had a responsibility to carry this message to those who still suffered because he remembered what it was like for him. Um, His sanity returned. Uh, At the beginning of the paragraph, what about his responsibility to his family, the men? We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Not I. In every one of those 12 steps, for me, the pronoun we, I put in front of them. Because the minute I put I in front of them, it's not going to work for me. I need the fellowship. Based to my own devices, I'm in uh, restlessness, irritability, discontent, especially if, an, if I have an expectation like Bill had in this uh, here story about things are going to work out, I'm going to be financially stable, no problems, and then boom, bitter disillusionment. And, you know, these things are going to happen. Life isn't fair. Life is not fair. And I know for me, for years, I wanted it to be fair, damn it. I wanted it to go my way. If only it would go my way, it would be okay. I would be able to trust God. Go my way, and then I'll trust God. No. (laughs) Trust God first. That no matter what happens, I have to trust. I can't see the whole picture. I see the tunnel vision of what I want. And then I'm stuck in restlessness, irritability, discontent, disappointment, causes and conditions. They masquerade as hunger. The four horsemen have a have an opportunity to get their foot in the door. And then I start feel, having memories of the gay chatter. Can't I just sit and have a ginger ale? Really? No. Maybe I can have three. I never had three of anything in my whole life with food. So. It's a miracle that he remembered that he went through the 12 steps. He had a spiritual awakening. This was the only way he was going to recover. That's it. The only way, service to others. And he took that route. And thank God he did. Then he met Dr. Bob, and uh, here we are today experiencing this miracle. And yesterday I had such a terrible day. I had to make a 10 step before two of them, before two o'clock in the afternoon. I still owe one. Um, so am I up? Um, yeah, with that, I'll pass because at least I'm aware of it and I know what to do to change it with my higher power. Thank you. Thank you, Maureen. Um, we have time for two shares I'd like to share. 
the second thought. What am I gonna? What action am I gonna take after that thought? Because my hand did not throw. My hand did not grab that chocolate cake off the counter and down my throat. So what? But what about his responsibilities, his family, and the men who would die because they would not know how to get well? Ah, uh, yes, those other alcoholics. Responsibilities. You know, I had no respons. My responsibilities in disease. You know, I had so many responsibilities as a as a um, young adult. Um, you know, as a, a, a young wife, as a mother now, as a mother, as a as a daughter. So many responsibilities that just went under the table because I was. Um, in that disease mind, and you know, I'm just thinking of where it says on page 62, um, in the um, selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles, and you know, that selfishness, that is, that is the problem, that 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 mental obsession that I have, that has to be rid, and to make that um, more self, instead of self-centeredness, selflessness, and. Um, you know, today I ha- um, I'm learning how to act in a different way, act my way out of my uh, my my old self. And I, you know, what I always hear: do do what you want. We do. I do today what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. And I have to remember that. Um, you know that God, my my higher power, makes that possible um, to help me. You know, in all times of despair, I could just, you know. Take that moment to pause and say, "Hmm, you know, God, please help me and um, and and t- take something outside me to heal me, because only God could heal a sick. Uh, oh, my sick mind could only be healed by that He who created it." And with that, I pass. Thank you, Hoodie R. And Janice B, you'll be our last share today. Please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy. This is Janice B. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Vermont. And I like that. Ah, yes. Ah, yes. And, and, and it's, that, it's that pause, like, oh, yeah. Like, my thinking, my thinking goes to relief. I've, I've gotten relief for many, many years from food. And, um, and, you know, I came, I, 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 I realized, I took step one, and I realized that food really doesn't help me. Food is not the answer. And, and, and my life is unmanageable. And my old ways of solving my problems didn't work. And and it brought me to a place of um, total like I don't know uh, just depression and isolation and um, and that realization that my way didn't work food doesn't work I have to do something different and I I found the a new a new way and the way is through the steps and the way is listening is pausing first pausing and and being able to hear that little voice that little whisper of um of another way of doing things 
another way of acting, of asking for help and surrendering and trusting and, and asking what the next right thing to do is. And, um, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Janice G. And uh, we will now begin to close the meeting. Um, thank you, everyone who has shared. It's been a great meeting. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Janice B., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, thank you, Kathy. Janice B., recovered compulsive overreader in Vermont. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.